Likuti Sichais, Chelik Tezvah, Volume 15, the third Sicha for Parshas Lech Lecha. In this Sicha, we're going to learn the contrast between the first three Parshiot, Bereshis, Noach, and Lech Lecha, and also the contrast between Noach, Avram Avinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu, and how this all fits in, how this all applies in our day-to-day life. Uh, as an introduction, just it's uh, worthwhile to remember that all the parshas we have in the Torah were all divided by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by Hashem Himself, and passed on to Moshe and from Him to us. And therefore, there must be a reason for the division, the way the parshas are you know, divided and the various episodes as they are divided in the narrative in this particular parsha, that particular parsha, that must be also telling and have a lesson in itself. Uh, another thing that is worthwhile to, to remember as we learn the Sicha is the concept of the number three, the aspect of three. In fact, many of us say it in the morning before we start our formal davening. In the morning, we say that when there's Shnech Suvah Machishim Zezeh, when there's two, let's say, verses or two aspects that seem to contradict one another, then comes the Kosuv Hashlishi, comes the third verse, comes the third agent, so to speak, reconciles between them. And in fact, this is to connect two opposite things, you need to have a third agent which connects the two. Think of two pieces of wood where you take a nail or you take a little glue and you bring it together. So that's the power of three. Another thing that's worthwhile mentioning before we begin the Sicha, in Gemara and Abendazor and Sanhedrin, it's, it makes a statement on in the name of Elio Anovi that the world is for 6,000 years and is divided in the following uh, three groups. The first two years, Be'ez Alofim Toyu, was chaos, as we see it. The second set of 2,000 is the time of Torah. And the third set of 2,000 is Yemoisa Mashiach, the day of Mashiach. So let's go into the actual Sicha. The Rebbe quotes a famous saying, from his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, which actually is also quoted in the Hayyim Yom, the Fiyuk Rebbe quotes his father, the Rebbe Rashab, who said the following, Parshas Bereshis is a freilicha parsha. The, the first portion of the Torah is a rather a happy, a joyous parsha overall, because Hashem creates the world and all its creations. However, the end uh, is not so pleasant. Why? Over there already mentions the fact that mankind sinned and the world was totally corrupted. But still, in general, it's a pretty happy Parsha. Parsha's Noyach, however, the second Parsha in the Torah, that's already about the marble. That's already about the flood. It's a very gloomy, depressing week. However, the end of the week is a happy one because already at the end of Parsha's Noyach we read about the birth of Avram Avinu. Then the Rebbe Rashab continued, Parsha's Lech Lecha is the true happy, is the real happy Parsha. Why? Because the entire week we're engaged with, we quote, live with Avram Avinu, who was the first one to have self-sacrifice to spread godliness in the world. Now, from the fact that, says the Rebbe, from the fact that he says that Lech Lecha is the true happy Parsha, that means that even the part of Bereshis, which is happy, which he said, it's overall a happy Parsha, or even the end of Noyach, which is also happy, it speaks at the birth of Avram, but that's not true happiness. Now it's obvious why, because the parshas are all one theme, they all connect. Remember we said in the introduction, everything that appears in a parsha obviously has a connection, obviously connects to the 
rest of the parsha. Otherwise, Hashem wouldn't put it in that particular parsha. So it's obvious that even the happiness that's in Bereshis also somewhat associate with the unpleasantness that's in Bereshis. And likewise, the happiness that's in the pleasantness that's in Nayach also somewhat associates and connects to the unpleasantness of Nayach, and therefore it's not true happiness. Says the Rebbe, we need to understand. We need to have some clarification here. It would seem that the division is wrong. It would seem that it would have made more sense if Parshas Bereshus would have ended before, prior to the description of the corruption of mankind and later the birth of Noah, and that the Parsha of Noah should begin from there. In other words, Bereshus should have been all happy. Noah should have been, you know, just talking about the corruption of mankind, the deterioration of the world, and thus the resulting flood, the punishment of it. And then the birth of Avram should have not appeared at the end of Parshas Noyach, but rather perhaps in the beginning of Lech Lecha. Why is the division the way it is? So the Rebbe says the general explanation for it, and the general answer is as follows. As the Gemara says, quote, with Avram Avinu began the second phase, the second chapter of the existence of the world, that is the 2,000 years of Torah. In other words, Avram Avinu was the first one that began to prepare the world for Torah by him spreading godliness in the world. Now, what is the giving of the Torah? What did the giving of the Torah accomplish? As we know from other Midrashim, the, the modern Torah accomplishes that it made a connection. It was Mechaber, the Elyonim, and the Tachtoinim. It, it, it connected the Elyonim, the, literally translated, the upper ones, with Tachtonim, with the lower aspect of things, or the spirit and the matter. So Lech Lecha is the theme of connecting these two things, of bringing the Elyonim and the Tachtonim and bringing it together. And in fact, that is also hinted in the fact that Lech Lecha is the third parsha it has the element of three the power of three that it's able to connect two different things and, and in fact two opposite things whereas Bereshis is a creation of the world that comes exclusively from where in other words what brought upon what brought about the creation of the world there was no tachtoin there was no lower element to be able to affect it it all came from above and therefore, that is associated, Bereshis is exclusively the, from the aspect of Elyonim. Noach, already the focus is on the Tachtonim, because it's, the focus is on the corruption of the world, but most specifically, the Zichu HaTachtonim, the purification and the elevation of the lower world, of this world, of the Tachtonim, it was elevated, was purified by the Mabu. Then comes Lech Lecha, the third, the aspect of three, through Avram Avinu, and begins to connect these two, the Elyon and the Tachtan. And now we can have a better understanding, a better appreciation, why Parshas Noyach begins not with the birth of Noyach, the corruption of man and the, the birth of Noyach. In other words, not from the end of Parshas Bereshis, but rather it begins with Ela Toldois Noyach. These are the offspring, these are the births of Noyach. Why? Because the sages tell us, the Chachamim tell us that Toldois Noyach means what? The Toldois of Tzadikim, the quote, offspring of Tzadikim. That's their good deeds. Hear the word deeds, actions. In other words, since Parshas Noyach, the second Parsha, 
the focus, the main focus, the main drive is on the tachtoin, on the lower element. Therefore, it had to speak about only the tachtoin. The fact that Noach was, quote, born, and the fact that it says over there, Noach found favor in the eyes of Hashem, that all is still relevant to the Elyon. That all comes from the aspect, so to speak, of the Elyon. That comes from the power of the Elyon, of the one above, of the higher levels. But Noach is where it begins. Eile told us Noach, these are the actions, these are the offspring, meaning the deeds of Noach. And likewise with Lech Lecha. The, the part where Avram Avinu is born, the part where Avram Avinu is, you know, a, a, ascends to the world, that is mentioned at the end of Noah. Because even after his birth, and even after he began his activities, his various activities of spreading God's name into the world, yet it still did not have, quote, the power of three, that power of connecting the El Yonotachtun, or in other words, the power of preparing the world for Matan Torah. Why? Because only when he, when he, um, only when he turns seventy-five in this week's parsha, when Hashem says to him Lech Lecha, that's when the actual, the formal preparation for Matan Torah was set into motion. Until then, it was still Avram Avinu. Albeit of the great Avram Avinu, one who has mysterious nefesh, self-sacrifice to spread God's name in the world, but still, it was all a continuation. It was all like a prologue to what began in the times of Noyach, the process of purifying the Tachtoin. In other words, the focus is on the Tachtoin. Beginning with Lech Lecha, when he's 75 years old, that's when the focus goes on the, quote, preparation for Matan Torah, bringing the Elyon and the Tachtoin together. So in order to better understand this, says the Rebbe, the connection between Lech Lecha and Matan Torah, specifically, and the preparation for Matan Torah, we'll first we'll, we'll understand it better by introducing a Medrash. There's a Medrash on the Pasuk Lech Lecha that associates the idea of Lech Lecha Hashem telling Avram Lech Lecha associates it with what happens later on in Avram's life where Avram Avinu stands before Hashem and pleads to spare the people of Sodom. That, in other words, that the fact that he was able to ask and to plead from Hashem, to have compassion even on the wicked ones, even on the sinners, that sets him apart from Noyach. That's what makes him unique, and thus the beginning of Lech Lecha, a new era, a new era sets in. The question is, that's fantastic, but there is a Zoyar on this which seems to cast a dark cloud over this. The Zoyar says something very interesting. In this contrast between Noyach and Avram, where Noyach did not pray for the sinners, whereas Avram Avinu did, and this is what the Medrash points out, this is what makes Avram so special that he is told by Hashem, Lech Lecha, but still it's not the ultimate. It's not the most optimal, so to speak. Because the Zohar says that compared to Moshe, Avram did not behave, so to speak, properly. In other words, he didn't do the optimal thing. Because by Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe went out, not only did he pray for the, peop the people as they were perhaps connected to Tzadikim, but he actually prayed for them 
even as they wore Rishoyim. If you recall in the prayer, what did Avram Avinu say? He said, please spare them if you can find some tzaddikim. And the fact is, when they weren't able to find tzaddikim, what happens? Avram backed off. But Moshe, what he did was he, was, he was ready to endanger his life, to give up everything. He said, if not, erase me from your book. If what? If you don't forgive them. Them is who? The sinners themselves. Not because of the tzaddikim, not because of anyone or anything else, but because of them themselves. So now, in summary, what do we have? We have three. We have Noah who did not pray at all. Avram who pay, prayed, but only with contingent, so to speak, on their connection to tzaddikim, if they were tzaddikim. And Moshe Rabbeinu who prays for the people themselves, even for the Rishoyim, even for the lowest element. Why? What is all this? So he says, these are all parallel to the three stages. You have before the preparation of Matan Torah, which is the times up to Avram Avinu, the times from Adam to Noyach and from Noyach to Avram, which you have the Elyon and the Tachten, but they have no connection, and therefore there's nothing to go with. If you are not connected to the Elyon, then you're a Tachten. If you're a Tachten and you're corrupt, Noach can't do anything for you. Then there is a new stage, a newer stage, a second stage that is, the time of Avram Avinu, where there's already, quote, a preparation to Matan Torah, there is already some kind of connection, some relevance between the Elyon and the Tachtoin, and therefore Avram Avinu prays that when the, if there is an Elyon, in this case, if there are Tzaddikim, there are those who are elevated, there are Tzaddikim, then since there is some connection already has been established between the Tachtoin and the Elyon, let the Tachtoin be spared because of the Elyon. And then there is the third period, which is after Matan Torah, and over there is where there is a full connection between the Elyon and Tachta, not just a preparation for it, but there's an actual connection, it becomes like one, and therefore, even when the Tachta is in a low state, a state of, of being a Russia, being Rishayim, still they have a relevance, and still they have an importance, and you can pray for them themselves. To understand this better, the Rebbe introduces a famous Moshal, parable, or metaphor that's many, many times brought down in Chassidus, and that's the mushal between a Rav and a Talmud, a teacher and a student. Now, what happens? The teacher is there to teach intellect to the student, but there are various manners in which it can be accomplished. Number one, one way, basic way, is the teacher explains the intellect that he's trying to pass on to the student. He explains the intellect itself without, so to speak, getting directly involved with the student, without building up the student himself. In other words, he explains it to the student. That's one way. There's another way, a much greater one, where the teacher, so to speak, commits himself, gives himself over to enhancing the abilities of the student and helps him understand it. He gives him almost like a, like a way of learning. He gives him the, the, the tools, so to speak. He, he builds up his tools, his, his, his learning muscles, if I may, so that he should be able to, to, to become built up, to become knowledgeable and understandable enough, to, to wise enough that he could understand what the, what the Rab is teaching him and in fact, you know, master it. But then there's a third level where the teacher is so dedicated to the student and has such an effect on the student that he's able to bring up the student to the point that he actually refines his abilities, his talents of the students to such a degree that the student can actually learn on his own and almost have the parallel mind to the teacher and kind of like 
be kind of kind of become able to study on that level and to create his own novel ideas in learning without the need of the teacher. Says the Rebbe, parallel to this Mashal are the three time periods that we discussed. From the, the first one, which is the generations from Adam to Noyach, everything came from above. Everything came from above. And therefore, even if the word Sadiqim, that Sadiqim still needed to, so to speak, the, the help from above. And a classical example for that is the story with Hanukkah. The Torah tells us that Hanukkah was taken away before his time. He passed away younger than he should have. Why? Because Hashem was concerned that since the people in his time were so wicked, they were so lowly, even though he was connected to the alien, but he needed to have the constant support. And there was a danger that perhaps if he loses that support, even one minor bit, he might lose his whole um, piety and unfortunately slip and become like everybody else. So you see that there was a constant need to give from above. That was the first uh, 10 generations. The next 10 generations, which is the first thousand years, and then the second thousand years, is the, the generations from Noyach to There was already somewhat of a transformation of the Mata, of the lower world. And therefore we see that Noyach was not so vulnerable like his predecessors, like the Tzadikim who came before him. It says, Noach walked with Hashem. And he was even able to talk to the people of his generation and try to get them to do tshuva. He would talk to them he, when he was building the teva. For all those years, he was, it was for the purpose of him trying to change their ways, trying to have an effect on them, on the mata, on the tachton. However, but still wasn't the most ideal. Because we find that even Noach himself, it says that there was a point where he was somewhat skeptical and his faith was not full-fledged. In other words, what does it mean his faith was not full-fledged? That even he who did believe in Hashem, but still when it came to a higher element of, of faith, which is totally beyond intellect, totally whatsoever behind, beyond intellect, he was not able to handle it, and therefore he didn't have it, and Hashem had to force him into the table. And this is parallel to the second um manner, the second aspect in the Marshall in the parallel, where you have the student who his 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 ability to understand the, the 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 teacher's teachings, not only to understand it but to master it, is enhanced. That means his own inner um, uh, capacity is brought to a point that he's able to really understand, that he's able to master it, but still it's yet it's not the ultimate. Then you have Avramavinu where he had already the advantage of the third stage, so to speak, in the parallel, in, in the parable, where the, from the one hand, he reached such a high level of faith in Hashem that he reached it on his own, from his own intellect. You see, from his own intellect he reached it. But in the other hand, that means all those years that he was working on it, as the Ramam explains in detail, how he came about to believing in Hashem, in one God. But at the same time, his faith was not just contingent on intellect, but his faith was such a deep faith that goes beyond intellect. And you see this also in the manner, the way he spread godliness in the world. He took the highest aspects of faith and godliness, that which is beyond intellect, and he explained it to whom? To the simplest of people. He brought it down to their level that they too, they too could also come to believe in Hashem. 
Now all of this, meaning this mushal, this parable, and how it parallels to the three parshias, to the three time periods, again from Adam to Noach, from Noach to Avraham, and from Avraham on, that all still is before Matan Torah. This is before the Torah was given. Because you see, and it still, in other words, has somewhat of a limitation. Because even in the third, in the third uh, manner of the of the parable, of the of the of the parable, that is, sorry, in the marshal, there still is some connection between the Rav and the Talmud. In other words, there's still a pre-existing connection. Because the only way the Rav this is the teacher, can affect the student, is only if the student had somewhat of a capacity, had some intellectual capacity, albeit smaller than the than the teacher's one, and therefore the teacher has to build him up, has to bring him up, has to elevate him, and bring him to a point that he's able to be like him, which is a tremendous feat, but still, there was something to work with. There was some kind of relationship, albeit a very small one, and he just needed to do is to develop it, to cultivate it. However, when you look at the Elyon and the Tachtoin, meaning the upper worlds, the spiritual, and the lower worlds, the material, the matter, the physical worlds, which prior to Matan Torah, there was no whatsoever relationship at all. And therefore, even Avram Avinu, when he was preparing the world, he tried to prepare the world for Matan Torah, yet there was still some disconnect, there was still some distance between the two, and therefore the connection which comes after Matan Torah, the connection which comes through Moshe Rabbeinu is far beyond and unparalleled to anything that was there before, even in the time of Abraham Avinu. Why? Because Matan Torah came from the Hashem, directly from Hashem, from the infinite. And therefore it's able to connect two things which have really no commonality. There was nothing to, to, to connect the two and he's able to bring the two together. And therefore we find Noyach did not daven because there was no connection. Avram davened, but only for those who had somewhat of a connection. Moshe Rabbeinu is, meaning to have a connection to Tzaddikim, to the Elyon. Moshe Rabbeinu is able to pray even for the Tachtoin, as it is a Tachtoin, and as it is a very coarse Tachtoin. How do these four modes connect and apply to our Abayda? So let's take the first one, where everything is just exclusively Mitzad Lamaila, comes from above. And that is basically when somebody is focused on doing Torah mitzvahs, but only for themselves, only to enhance their soul. In other words, it's all for themselves. There is no involvement, no concern, so to speak, about the world around them. Then there's a second step, which is obviously higher and better, where a person, yes, does get involved in the world, but albeit with a certain reluctance. In other words, he doesn't totally give himself over. He does He does that which he is obligated to do. The Torah tells us, you have to reprove your compatriot, meaning if you see another year doing something wrong, you have to tell him that you have to correct him, so he does it. Just like he has to keep Shabbos, he keeps Shabbos, he has to help another Jew, he helps another Jew. But he definitely doesn't go out of his way and make this a life mission that he should go and help other Jews. Then there is the third phase, which is parallel to the quote, preparation to Matan Torah, which is making a connection already, establishing a connection between the upper and the lower elements. And that is where a person makes an effort to bring godliness into the world. And he starts to be Mekar of Yidin to Torah mitzvahs. But still, there is some caveat. And that is number one, A, he only tries to elevate the person to bring him closer to Torah, and then the person is connected to Torah. But if he doesn't succeed in elevating the person, then he 
you know, he, he, he seizes, so to speak, his connection with that person because he sees he can't affect them. And number two, it's only when he sees that there is a potential there. In other words, he senses that this person is a cleave. This person is a receptacle for what he's going to teach him. But if not, he doesn't engage with the person because there is no point, because there is no connection between the Elyon and the Tachta. But after Matan Torah, which is the mode of Moshe, here we already get to a much higher and far beyond that, which is there's a connection between the, an established connection between the alien and the Tachtoin, that even when the Tachtoin, even when the lower, meaning even when the lower element is at its lowest point and a bad one at that, yet he is, he is ready and willing and excited about trying to be Makar of him to lower himself, the Elyon, down to the Tachtoin to be engaged with that Jew, even when that Jew doesn't seem to show any signs of potential of getting close to this. Now we can understand why the beginning of the preparation, in other words, Avraham Avinu's career, so to speak, in preparing the world for Matan Torah, starts exclusively in Lech Lecha when he's 75 years old, and not before, and that's why that part of his life is mentioned in the end of Noah is still connected to Noah. You see, because in order to be able to affect this, in order to be able to to um, to bring these two things, Elyon and Tachten, together, this avoida has to of really making a dear Yisbodach, of making this place in a habitable place for Hashem, making this world that is in a habitable place for Hashem. This cannot come from your own perspective. This cannot come from your own initiative, so to speak. This has to be, because then there is something lacking, because if it comes from you, there is still that element of a uh, resistance, if I may. There's a finite resistance that will not allow it to totally become become um, absolutely connected as it's supposed to be, as it happened after Matan Torah. Since Abraham Avinu was supposed to prepare to Matan Torah, Hashem says to him, Lech lecha Go out of your own will, from your own ways and your own desires. Go and do as I say, because you need to have the power of the infinite, something which is beyond intellect, and then you're able to bring these two together, which inherently are not compatible, are not shy of one to another, and that's what happened later, ultimately, by Matan Torah.